morning, everyone. Okay, guys, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to need everybody to stand up just for a moment, and I'm going to need everybody to move forward. I'm seeing big spaces here. We've had the prophetic words of coming. You can just shift over one tool into the center. Come, everybody move forward. Part of the word of what we've been given, I actually feel for us to get out of our seat, to get into a new seat, to move forward into the things of God. You can pick up your Bible. If you've got kids, I understand you being at the back, but come and let's squeeze into what God has for us, particularly if you're feeling stuck. If you're feeling stuck or disqualified or like you're not useful to Jesus, the front row is for you. I'm inviting you. Come forward. I feel like I've just got half a response from the church there. Tulsim, I was speaking in Swahili. Come on, guys. Ethan, I can check you there, bro. Come forward. Come sit next to Tools here, bro. I can, I can check you there. There's so many, so many seats available here, but this is a good start. I can even see Ian at the back there. He's a good friend. That was my best man at my wedding. Bless you. So good to see you all. I'm really carrying a sense of faith for us as a house, and I'm so glad that you moved forward because part of what my preachers today is about us moving forward. The word came, Lorena's on the money. That, that's a prophetic word that was spoken. It's given to us. And when God speaks, man, we want to obey, we want to hear, and we want to we step into what he has for us. Otherwise, we, we just remain the same. We never go anywhere in the kingdom of God. And I'm really carrying a sense of urgency for the kingdom, for us, for every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, that God has something for us to walk into. And uh, Nick's been speaking about such a great salvation. If we, can, if we ignore it, it's, such a, it's a travesty. It's like, it's like the, the greatest of, of wastes that we could ever imagine. So that's what I want to preach on today. I want to I encourage you into what God has for you and your unique story and who he's made you to be so that we can see the kingdom of God go forward. No one excluded. Every single person invited in. I mean, Tools has been inviting us into this beautiful story. Cape Town's not for a select few. Going to the nations is not for a select few. Being on mission for Jesus is not for the select few. For every single person. And it don't, doesn't only mean going out to Wales or somewhere. It means every day we're pressing into the things of God. We're hearing Him and we're obeying Him and, 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 and doing what He calls us to as a people. So Nick's been speaking about such a great salvation, and I want to continue on from that through the book of Hebrews. And I think myself, I've been carrying this, uh, you know, every year I love to ask God for a word for me, personally. And, um, and I felt him say, um, I want to call you into a story that's bigger than what you can handle. And, uh, and that daunts me, because I love to have things nicely packaged. I love to have my budget. I love to have our plan going forward. I love to have things within reach and grasp, and anything beyond that sort of can get a bit unsettling, you know, like, like Lorraine is talking about. It can get a bit like, like, like Jesus is taking this fork and, and rerouting me and perhaps moving me forward, and it's like, oh, Lord, it's painful. And I think life's a series of faith steps. He calls us into something, and we, and, we, and we feel a bit dislodged, and we move into it, and then we can settle, and we can, again, root again, and we feel like, okay, we got this now, and then God wants to take us out and do it again. And again, and, and we never want to be a people that settle. We're a journeying people, and I'll speak about that a little bit more, but I feel like God's calling us to journey with him this year, to step into what he has for us, to, to perhaps allow him to loosen where we feel we're comfortable and move again into a, a story that's bigger than we can handle. Doesn't that excite you? That excites me. I mean, I don't want to get up every day feeling like, oh, what another day, you know? I want to get up feeling like, man, Lord, 
I'm scared for today, in a sense. I'm nervous. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but I'm stepping out in faith because you're a God who's, 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 who's actually he's advancing the kingdom across the globe, and he's calling us into this amazing story. And that's why it's such a great salvation, because we get to see Jesus. He interrupts our world. He speaks to us. He calls us out, and he, and he puts us along this, this race that he has for us to run along, and it's the greatest adventure anybody could ever have. Ever. I don't know if there's anything more exciting than following Jesus. If you're bored at church, either you're at the wrong church or you're not engaging in what God has for you. The Christian life is anything but boring. Anything. Difficult, yes. Um, hard, suffering, wonderful. Any of those, are they adjectives? Are they adjectives? Any of those adjectives are great. <laughs> English was not my, I was terrible at English. I <laughs> had to just check, you know. And I was get a rebuke from my wife. Well, not a rebuke, but a correction, should I say. So um, Hebrews is a book which I love, and I've been reading it over the holidays. And it's, um, the book of Hebrews is the story that, um, that the, the writer is busy writing. We're not quite sure who the author is, but he's writing to this group of Christians who have come from the Jewish faith, and they're busy sliding back into their old way of life. And he's wanting to, um, in a sense, encourage them to take their stand on the truths that they've heard. So what he does is he, he speaks about who Jesus is. He speaks about how Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And that's where you see him, we see about the high priest, how he, he's our anchor. I love how it speaks about he's our anchor in heaven for us. He talks about our salvation that's secure. We don't have to worry about our salvation. Our anchor is, is Jesus who's gone before us, our great high priest who intercedes on our behalf. He's praying for you and me right now. He's praying for us so that we would not lose way. And it, it gives great encouragement to us to know that Jesus is our anchor and that our salvation is sure. We don't have to try and work for it. You don't have to try and earn it. You don't have to try and, and please God. It's by Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. His purification of our sins, his blood which was poured out that, that anchors us in him. We can stand in him. We believe in him and we, we have a sure, steady anchor for ourselves when the rest of the world is busy going wild. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Hebrews is talking about. We have this beautiful anchor, this salvation, this high priest, this Melchizedek priest who's, who's standing there, both our king and our priest. It's beautiful. Go and read it and I think you'll find your heart being stirred up. But I think Hebrews is about more than that. I think it's speaking about something called our inheritance. And uh, I just want to, that's what I want to speak about today a little bit, if I can. And, um, you know, I think so many people settle for far less than what God has for them. So many people see Christianity as just coming to church on a Sunday, and I've, I've done what God's got for me. You know, I've, I've ticked a box, and, and you might even, because of fear, you, you feel like, I don't know if I'm useful to him, or maybe disqualified, or I don't know what I've got to offer. And the, the main vein of what was coming through Cape Town was, what do you have in your hands? Give it to him and watch what he can do with it. Because there's an inheritance. There's, there's something that God has for you to do. Your salvation is sure. It's steadfast. You're not going to lose that. If you've put your faith in Christ, hold, he will hold on to you. What he has begun, he will make sure that he brings to completion. But there's an inheritance for us. And that we can lose, that we can waste, that we can throw away by our lack of faith 
for the journey that God has for us. And faith is not, I'll speak about what faith is, so just work with me. But, but there's something that God has for you to do. There's something, he's got work prepared in advance for you to walk into good works. And, and part of my, my cry is that we as a church would, would find absolute joy in stepping by faith into what God has for you and me. Because when we do, I think we find the greatest joy possible. When we don't, I think we wrestle with God and with church life for the rest of our lives in a sense. And you see so many guys, the guys who, who in a sense take a step forward, which is why I encourage you to get out of your seat and take a step forward, are the guys that, and I'm not talking about just today, but are the guys that, that in a sense have the greatest joy. And it's because Jesus says, those who lose their life for my sake, who give themselves to me, find life. They find joy. They find peace. They find patience. They find everything that God has for them. But those who, in a sense, you know, it's like the parable of the, 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 the talents. Those who, in a sense, put in what they had and they, they multiplied and they invested and they gave themselves to Jesus and who he was. It's amazing. They get an incredible return and there's an abundance of joy and there's an abundance of life. But those who, in a sense, just sit, there's an incredible loss. At the end of time, there's an incredible loss. And, and I think our hearts as, as the elders of Red Point is that there would be no loss that all of us would live in the fullness of what God has for us because therein lies the joy of, of Jesus because he's there, he's, he's waiting for us at the end. He's egging us on, he's with us as we, as we run and wanting us as a father does for his children to get the best of the life that he has for us. Does it make sense? I've given my preacher away, now I might as well stop. Let's look at the text. We'll start in Genesis 13. I'm just going to read this. You don't have to open there. Genesis 13, verse 14. And, and this is God speaking to Abraham. I'm going to speak a little bit about Abraham as our father of faith. And he says, he says to Abraham, just after he's gone through the loss of a, of a, of a sibling, in a sense, his sibling, or not his sibling, a, a nephew, um, and he's moved off. And God says to Abraham, he says, look around you from where you are to the north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see, I will give you to you and your offspring. What I love is God saying, from where you are, every person here, where you are in your exact circumstances, where you find yourself right now, your in, inward life, your outward life, from where you are, look up and look around. Look around. Look and see who God is and what he's doing and what he has for you. And I love that, that God had to, in a moment, just take this time to look up. Take your eyes off of your circumstances. Take your eyes off of lots. Take your eyes off of what's going on around you. Look up and look around. Look at the inheritance that I have for you. And I feel like that's what God's got for us. And part of that is, um, sorry, my notes have gone back to their old way. That's exactly what we don't want, eh? We don't want to go back to our old ways. This is what Hebrews is about. But um, so we're looking at Abraham. And um, Abraham, we see, comes up quite a bit in the book of Hebrews. So let's open up to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start there a little bit, and then we're going to go into chapter 12. Hebrews 11, verse 8. So we're looking at the faith of Abraham. There are other people, but um, Abraham, I think, is amazing. So how would you define faith? There's many ways to define it. I think my best definition that I've heard at the moment is action based on belief. Okay? Action based on belief, which means that I believe something, and I, and I, I, I choose to direct my actions in line with what I believe. That's faith. 
That's faith. So, so God has spoken, and, and I've heard him. And because I've heard him, I believe in him. And because I believe in him, I, I trust him, and I, and I step. My, my actions go on line with what I believe. Does that make sense? When I'm speaking about faith, just in, in your mind, I'm, I'm doing this quite regularly. I'm saying my action based on what I believe, which means that an example, practical example, if you believe that God is your provider and that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that you, you will step in line with that, which means you're not going to worry when finances look a little bit tight or difficult or like you can't see how it's going to happen because you believe that he will never leave you nor forsake you which means that you don't need to worry about that. could be anything. I mean, for us, going to Cape Town was a step of faith. For you, you might be another, thinking through another situation in your life where, where you, you know what God's saying, but now you have, to, you have to step in line with that. And that's faith. And I, and I love that. So we'll look at Abraham quickly. 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. How's that for a statement? By faith, Abraham, he was called. So what happened? The word of God came to him. We, we, don't, we don't just act out of anything. We act because God's word has come to us. And, and I know God's word has come to every single person in this room here. He's spoken to us. He said things to us. And he's continuing to say things to us through his word, both Logos and through the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God, which is revealed to you. He calls you into something. And I love how, how faith involves the word of God. Second one, faith involves looking into the future. Part of faith is looking into the future. As, as you can see something of that, and you see um, Abraham, he says he looked into his inheritance, which he would receive because God promised it to him. And he obeyed. Faith looks forward to reward. I think sometimes we, as Christians, we think it's bad to, 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 in a sense, work because God has promised us something. I don't think that's bad. God says, store your treasures in heaven. Store your, your, most, valuable, your most valuable essence in heaven, which is your reward. There's something that God has for you. There's a reward for each one of us that we can win or lose. And I'll speak a little bit about what that looks like a little bit later. And we might not have many details of the future. <laughs> That's the hard part. God says to Abraham, go and I will show you. Act on my word and you'll see me work on your behalf. You'll see me come into the story. And, and that's the hard part for us is we love to see God, uh, tell me how you're going to do it and then I'll move. <laughs> no. What has he said? What has he said? And, and move into it. And you can trust that he'll meet you there. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac, sorry, this is verse 9, Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of, with him of the same promise. Faith's ultimate vision is focused on life beyond the grave. Faith's ultimate vision is focused on life beyond the grave. If our faith is here, if only for this life we have hope, Paul says we'd be the most pitied of all men which is why our, our hope is in heaven with Jesus, the anchor. And I'll, I'll speak about that a little bit more as we get into Hebrews chapter 12. Even the promised land, I mean, essentially Abraham was promised the, the promised land. It was the land of Canaan. But we'll see in the next, in the next verse now, it actually it speaks about how, for he was looking to a city, whose city, um, looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Amazing. There's a city that's awaiting us. 
an incredible city which is not this earth. Which, which, so our faith is not based on, on circumstance or here. It's based on the promise of eternity and what that looks like for us. Faith separates us from our surroundings and our people. It sets us apart for another. I'll read that again. Because by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. We are strangers in a foreign country. He lived in tents. I mean, he would have probably had a great inheritance from his father beforehand. He would have had a home. He would have had a whole lot of things. I mean, it would have been a family set up. And he chose to, to leave, in a sense, the materialistic things behind. And even, in a sense, the, 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 the cyclical nature of one family to the next. You see how, how families, histories, that just almost repeat itself through every generation. And he chooses to leave his people, to leave his home, and to walk into a new future with God's people. That's what faith does. It pulls us out and away from our, 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 our earthly family, in a sense, to, into a new family, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven, our surroundings, and we're, we're set apart. That's part of what holiness is, is we, we're for him and for him alone, which is difficult and hard. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm just saying what the text says. Faith affects our attitudes towards our possessions, which we've seen already. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So from this one man, even though he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Faith affects every aspect of life. There's nothing that faith doesn't affect. Because God affects every, he comes into every aspect of our life and he, and he, in a sense, he loosens up our whole rooted system and brings us into a beautiful new space to grow. Faith overcomes seeming impossibilities. I love that. Faith overcomes seeming impossibilities. Sarah was as good as dead. Abraham as good as dead. But by faith, they trusted God because they knew he was powerful enough to do what he had promised difficult. It's not easy. Faith, this faith journey is, is, a, is, a, is a difficult one. And I know some of you may be facing extremely difficult situations. And you're like, Chris, forget faith for a bigger journey. I'm just trying to survive this journey. Forget, forget everything else. I don't even want anything bigger than what I can handle right now. And that's what the enemy wants to do, is he wants to continue to shrink our world down through difficulty and struggle and um, pain, perhaps sickness, difficulty in marriage, and he just wants to shrink our world down. And I know, we all know the difficulty of it. Everyone here experiences that. Even Abraham experienced that. There's a moment where, where he's stuck inside his little home, and he's just gone through a, a massive battle, and he's feeling tired and drained. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, come out again. Come out again and, and look up. Look up into the stars. Can you see the stars? That's what I have for you. Even though right now everything looks dismal and, and Abraham, it says, by faith, he trusted him, trusted him, and he walked in line with that. And I even want to encourage you today, you may be facing extreme difficulty. You can trust God. You can trust him. You can, you can act in line with his word. You can give him your, your situation that you're going through and watch him not only deliver you, but bring you into a far bigger story than you could ever imagine. Ah. I'm amazed at what God is able to do with broken people. Honestly, I'm amazed. And I think that's what faith is. And we're going to move into chapter 12. And, and this is where I want to spend the last bit of my, my time. Because chapter 12 says, therefore, you're there. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we'll just stop there. Therefore, because of these guys before us, because of all these people that have walked out this journey by faith, we can know that it's possible. Because a witness, what does a witness do? It, it tells you about something that's happened. They tell you that this is what's happened, and I'm, I'm testifying to you that it's possible. And what I love is that all of these men and women were weak, were broken, had some sort of issue, had some sort of difficulty, but they were able to walk out the calling on their, on their life by faith. Every single one of them, and which means that you and I can do the same thing. Doesn't that encourage you? None of them were these superheroes. None of them were born with this, you know, lightning ability to be able to cross the earth in a moment. No, they were ordinary people like you and me. But they, but they knew God had called them to something more, and they stepped into it, and they trusted him, and he was able to do incredible things through them. Amazing. And that story is available for each one of us. And they, they cheer us on. They cheer us on. I love it when somebody cheers me on. I mean, I don't know if any of you used to run. Well, that's what this, but when you're running and somebody cheers you on and they're clapping and they, they, they're like, come on, let's go for it. You feel like a sense of courage comes about. feels like a sense of life and like, whoa, they think I can do it. Okay, cool. I believe I can do it too. But the, the better thing is that these guys have done it. They're not speaking about something that they haven't seen. They have done it. And they're encouraging us. And they're saying, go for it. We're backing you with all of our being. We know there's this great cloud of witnesses, which means there's so many of them that it looks like clouds around us, busy cheering us on into this great race that God has for us. This great cloud of witnesses. I remember Nick saying to me once, or to us, it might have been to the whole eldership team. And, you know, sometimes you wonder how you're even on an eldership team. I remember when I came on, I thought, geez, I don't know why I'm here, you know. I'm the, you know, I shouldn't be here. But then he would say something like, have, have a go. Have a go. And, and if you fail, we'll be here for you. And I thought, geez, how's that? Have a go. I think so many of us are, are worried about us failing. You know, what, are we, what, are, what happens if we, if we fall short of the mark or we don't do it exactly how God's called us to, or if we, we try and we mess up and we feel like we're going to dishonor his name, or, and I understand all of those things are, are real, but, but his love is perfect. And this is something that I learned from Nick's statement, but, but it actually, it's the, it's the Father's heart. It's the Father's heart, the Father in heaven, because he says perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And God is not looking to punish us if we, if we mess up along the way of, of, of walking into what he has. I mean, Abraham, he didn't punish Abraham. He didn't, he didn't like, he actually, he encouraged him. He says, come again. He actually fought on Abraham's behalf. Can you believe it? Even when he messed up. How's that? The love of the Father is so empowering that you don't need to fear failure because, because fear, that's not perfect love. You have the perfect love of the Father. He loves you. And not because of what you've done, but he loves you because of what Christ's done. He loves you because you're in Jesus. And Jesus is not going to let his church fail. I'm building my church and the gates of Hades shall not pass. Which means that as you and I step in faith into what God has for us, we will not fail. We will not because Jesus will build his church. And we, and we step in line with that. We step in faith because we know that Jesus is building his church. Have a go. Have a go. Step into what God has called you to. Don't fear failure. Such a great cloud of witnesses. The Father himself backing you into what he has for you. 
Second one. Let's, let's move through the chapter. I'm not going through the whole chapter. Calm down. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let's what? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Okay, so what does this mean? I've just said run lightly. It's very difficult to run a race when you're carrying stuff on your back. Does anyone know that? I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. So, so <laughs> I use this example. And in a city, you have your front gate, which stops things coming in. And you have your dung gate, which allows things to go out. Does it make sense? Stop things coming in, allow things to go out. And our body, same thing. Stop things coming in and allow things to go out. A good front gate, a good dung gate. Amen. May the Lord bless our front gates and our dung gates. <laughs> yeah, but ever seen somebody who can't? A lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. And live in the freedom of the gospel daily. Live in the freedom of the gospel. Do not let sin entangle you. It's so easy for sin to entangle us in this great race that God has for us. And we see too many Christians getting tangled up in, in unnecessary nonsense. And because of that, the, the enemy cuts in on their race and they, and they fall short of the fullness of what God has for them. It's so sad. So many Christians get bitter or or um, offended by, by stupid and insignificant things. I mean, Jesus has died for your sin. How, how can we hold that against somebody else? He's, he's died for our sin. He's, he's paid for everything. All I can do is be in wonder at that, and, and then I, I hold something against somebody else, or, or we allow sin to easily entangle us. And, and I, I almost want to like, like cut that off in the name of Jesus and move forward into what God has for you. Like, would he release you from the, the, the things that so many people live in bondage unnecessarily, where the cross of Christ has, has paid for that, and there we, 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 we continue to, to mess around in the, the things that, that are holding us back. Guard the front gate. Fathers, guard the front gates of your family. Be careful what you allow into your family. Guard your wife. Guard your children. As a single person, guard what you allow into your life. And this isn't just sin, but even good stuff. Even stuff that's a waste of time, dead works in a sense. Man, but, oh, I'll get to it, but pursue Jesus with everything. Guard the front gate. Please, just let things flow through easily. <laughs> Please, don't hold on to an offense. And run the race that is marked out for you. I love to think, there's a, where's that picture? Did I, Pansy, you got that picture? That's one of my favorite pictures. That's a guy, does anyone know who that is? Come on, the slightly more mature of us. Anyone know? Eric, Eric who? Yeah, Liddell, Eric Liddell. I love this man. I've got a picture of this on my desk, and he's a great man. He's a Scottish man and a runner in the 1924 Olympics. And um, Chariots of Fire, I think the movie of Chariots of Fire was about him and another guy, eh? Irrelevant. So, so um, 1924, he gets this, this um, he's got an incredible running ability, and he's, he's made it to the Olympics, and he's supposed to run the 100-meter race, okay? And, he's, and everyone knows he's going to get a gold medal because he's number one in the world. But what happens is it falls on a Sunday, and he's a Christian, a believer, and he says, you know what? That's the Lord's day, and I'm not going to run this race on the Lord's day. I'm not going to get into the details of that Sabbath keeping and all of that. But that was his conviction. 
And he said, I'm not running it, but, but what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to enter the 400-meter race. And, he, and that wasn't his race. He never ran it. So he entered the 400-meter race, and he trained, and he trained, and he trained. And what happened? He won the gold. Not just did he win the gold, but he broke the world record in a race that wasn't necessarily even his because he stepped by faith into what he believed, and God honored that in a sense. God honored him, and, and there's a beautiful story, and, and I love how he says his famous statement. He's got this like weird running thing where his whole body is like this, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful thing because it's his own stance. But he says, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. I feel the pleasure of God when I run in his unique style. And I wonder if that's why he lifted up his face like this, because in a sense, he could, could feel the pleasure of God over him. Why am I saying all of this? He landed up going to China, dying as a martyr because he let somebody else take his place to get free from the Chinese persecution. Amazing story. But there was a unique race marked out for Eric Liddell. And I love that because there's a unique race marked out for you and for me. And what I love about marked out is it's almost like the father, there he is, busy, busy marking out this race, which means that he knows exactly where it's meant to go. And it's particularly and specifically and uniquely for you. And only you can run that race. It's a race marked out for you. And there the Father has prepared this course, these good works, which He's prepared in advance for you to do. They're all there. They're waiting for you to walk into. But so often we, 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 we're trying to run either somebody else's race or we, we feel like we're, we're not capable of, of achieving anything for God which is the saddest thing because he's uniquely made you exactly how you are to run this race that he's marked out for you. Every little thing about you, every unique quirk, he's, he's formed and he's fashioned so that you can run into this race. Love how Paul says, for I'm the least of all apostles and I do not even be, um, deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He knew how bad he was. He knew he didn't deserve this calling that he's got. He knew it. All of us know our shortfalls. But what does he say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, you are who you are. You've been uniquely fashioned and shaped and, and molded. By the grace of God, you are who you are. But his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. Please run in the race that's been marked out for you, guys. You've been given everything that you need for life and godliness. Everything. You need nothing more. You've got what you need to take the next step in the race that God has called you to. Maybe you feel like you're running in the long, wrong lane, but step into the lane of who God has made you to be. I'm trying to encourage you here. Is that okay? Are you guys getting this? Fixing your eyes on who? Jesus the author or the initiator or the one who starts, the author and perfecter, the one who's able to finish, the one who's gone before, the one who's waiting for us. He's the champion, Jesus. He's the one who's broken the world record on our behalf. He's the one who's broken the power of sin. He's the one who's broken the power of death and, and everything, our shame. He's gone before us, our great champion, our pioneer, the one who opens up the way for us to be able to run into. That word from, I haven't stopped thinking about your word, princess. When you make our contact with Jesus, everything else falls away. 
You make eye contact with Jesus, and, and it's almost like, can you see him? Can you see him waiting at the finish line for you? Can you see him here in the middle of where you are right now? Can you see him? Can you make eye contact with him and forget everything else that's going on around you and run the race, pursuing him with everything inside of you? Pursue Jesus. I almost feel this in, like, pursue him with everything inside of you. Let nothing lack. Give everything. Run with that, that unique gait that you have to pursue Jesus. I love that he goes before us. I love that he's with us, our high priest. Therefore, since we have such a high priest, such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, who's there waiting for us, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with your and my weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's not just like, here's the race, go for it. <laughs> See at the end. He's there with you. He's, he's, you're in him. He's, he's praying for you at every moment of every race. You can call on him when you need help, when you're feeling tired or weary. He's your high priest. Ask him, cry out, go with confidence into the throne room and ask him for help for the race that you're busy running. Five, sorry, I haven't said any of the points, but this is the, it's like Nick, we're on point one, and then all of a sudden we're on point four, and you're like, what? (laughs) I love that about his preaching, as long as you're listening. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's waiting for us at the finish line. He's waiting for us. Consider him. Think about him. He's gone before us. He's paid the ultimate price. Hebrews 6 verse 12 is quite a strong exhortation, and he says, we do not want you to become lazy. How's that? God hates laziness. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hebrews 13 speaks about, I've already spoken about it, with where Abraham is living for a different city. Do you know what eternity looks like? Can you see it? Are you longing for it? Is your desire, your greatest desire for the city of God, this beautiful new Jerusalem with Jesus being the very centerpiece, the very glory that, that, that is at the center of this new city? I, I love it. Then I saw a new heaven. Just for a moment, just think about eternity. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Here, everything that we see, gone. And there were no longer any seas. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. Amen. Hallelujah. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Eternity, this new city, new heavens, new earth. I cannot wait. 
That's what my hope is. I cannot wait. If this, if just for this world, honestly, we are a sad bunch of people because we're willing to go through all of this suffering for just this. No, 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 no. We are willing to go through anything that God calls us to because, because the glory that awaits us cannot compare to the sufferings that we are currently going through. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you are going through, you're walking through somebody with somebody through, who's just been diagnosed with cancer, no matter what you are going through, the, the glory that awaits you cannot be compared with what you have to go through now, even though it seems like it's daunting and difficult. The glory, the joy that is set before him, for the joy he endured the cross. Think much about eternity. And what I love about this is it says, I did not see a temple in the city. This is Revelations 21, 22. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. It's amazing. We go to church in Him. And then it says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why? For the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is its lamp. Hey, Jesus Himself. That great high priest who's gone before us, interceding on our behalf in this new city, waiting for us, calling us, drawing us by his love into the, the, the glory that he has in store for us. The well done, my good and faithful servant. You've, you've given everything and I've seen you, seen you live for me with all of your heart and now glory awaits you. Come and enjoy the inheritance which I have for you. Come and enjoy the rewards you've, you in a sense, you've stored up for me. And now I'm presenting you with this crown. And then we, in this moment of glory, we give it back to him and we say, Lord, you're the only one who's worthy of all glory and honor and power and praise. For you're the lamb who was slain and has gone before us. Can you, can you see it? This new city. If we miss it, we miss everything. We won't be willing to suffer because we will want our best here and now. But when we see the glory of the new city, 